live from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Harmon will probably try to swim it, and he does. Ball comes loose, and the Bears have to get out of bounds. Rodgers along the sideline, another one. They're still in deep trouble at midfield. They tried to do a couple of... The ball is still loose as they get it to Rodgers. They give it back now to the 30. They're down to the 20. Oh, the band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. He's going to go the Bears. The Bears have won. The Bears have won. Oh, my God! The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. Yes, you heard it right. The band was on the field. That is one of the most iconic plays in the history of college football. Humor me here now, friends. And that play and that rivalry now belong to the ACC. That's right. That was Cal-Stanford, the band game from 1982 when Cal took the kickoff and it looked like they were going to lose to Stanford. And they started lateraling the ball and lateraling and lateraling. And it looked like it was down and dead. And then it was scooped up and returned And the Stanford band was already coming onto the field to play in joyous celebration for the Cardinal win. And the Cal player, whose name escapes me, literally ran over the tuba guy into the end zone and Cal won the game. One of the most iconic plays in college football history and one of the biggest rivalries. And it now belongs to the ACC. I think you can tell where I'm headed with this and my direction on the news that broke this morning that the ACC has voted in favor of adding Cal, Stanford, and SMU to the ACC, which will give them 18 teams, 17 football, 18 teams beginning next year and puts them on the landscape of the power conferences now with the Big 12, the SEC, and the Big Ten. It probably still doesn't give them the money that those conferences have, but it does put them in the conversation and in the picture. And I, for one, after much reflection and much thought on this, I'm actually okay with this. I actually think there are more reasons this makes sense than there are reasons that don't. The biggest one of those obviously being geography, But as we move along this afternoon, I think I can even poke a few holes in that one as we forward our discussion about what will be a new expanded ACC beginning next year. We don't even have to wait very long for it. It will happen beginning in 24-25. And we don't have to wait for our first guest to talk about it. And sometimes we just luck out because we asked David Teal a couple of days ago to come on this afternoon primarily to start previewing Virginia and Virginia Tech and ACC football and even our other Commonwealth teams like a James Madison, Richmond, William & Mary Liberty, all of that. And maybe we'll get to that with David, but certainly – The thrust of our conversation will be on this morning's breaking news and the expansion 
of the ACC, and it has been a very busy day for said Mr. Teal. Not only has he gotten a column out on Richmond.com, go out and read that one, but he's been on several sports talk shows today already. I know that uh, from having followed what's been happening in the last 12 hours or so. So, David, thank you very much for the time this afternoon. Really appreciate you coming on with us. Hope all is well with you in what has been a very turbulent opening week of the college football season. The Atlantic Coast Conference, Bob, now stretches from Virginia to Stanford and Cal Berkeley. (laughs) I don't think they're going to rename it, right? I think it's going to stay the Atlantic Coast Conference. Atlantic Pacific Coast Conference just doesn't roll off the tongue, and most of us call it just ACC anyway. So I don't think that part of it is going to matter. I mean, come on now. The Big 12 has 16 teams, so that doesn't make sense. The Big 10 has 16 teams, so that doesn't make sense. So what's in a name? Anyway, what happened here, David? What what convinced, do you think, North Carolina State, which was the final school that had to flip to the approval side, what happened to flip their vote on this this morning? More money. Hmm. That, okay. That, that, <laughs> that's that, that's the only explanation. As, as Jim Phillips told us on a media call a few hours ago, the proposal that was voted on today was different than the proposal that was parsed, I guess, before the straw poll of a couple of weeks ago. And, Bob, let's be clear. Under normal realignment expansion circumstances, this never happened. But Stanford and Cal were so desperate that they agreed to take a sliver of ACC television revenue for the next decade. And SMU agreed to take none for seven to nine years, Mm -hmm. which when you combine with ESPN's obligation to to pay a per-school increase, to the ACC of about, oh, 22 to $25 million a year, that generates, oh, about $75 million for the ACC to divvy up among the current membership as it sees fit. And that doesn't include what new money they may get I think that's a little longer than a David Teal pregnant pause. There he is. I think we, you dropped out on us for just a second there, Dave. Oh, sorry about that. There but you go. You're good. All, all those economics aside, the fact that this wasn't unanimous weeks ago seems to me to indicate that this is not a no-brainer economic game changer. If it were, they all would have jumped on board. This is not going to get them in the neighborhood of the SEC and the Big Ten. Is it going to draw them closer? Sure. How much closer, we're not going to know for years. Mm-hmm. But but I feel, David, like, like the ACC had to do this 
to compete to whatever degree with those other conferences. And in this case, there were two schools that made it easier to poach, if you will, because Stanford and Cal had nowhere else to go. We, we know the Pac-12 is going to poof, disappear here in a year. So I, there are a lot of things to me that actually, the more I think about it, they make sense other than geography. And I do think you can handle that in this day and age. And here's what I would say to you. And that is, you got to kind of be thinking 2024 and not 1994. To your point of, if this had been normal realignment and expansion, it never would have happened. No, you you make very valid points, Bob. And Jim Phillips talked at great length today about mitigating the travel for both football and men's basketball plus the Olympic sports. And they've done some pretty deep dives on that. They, they think they can uh, handle that part of it. Again, we'll have to see over the years and we'll have to hear from the athletes themselves as to whether they object to this. But Cal and Stanford, as currently constructed, offer nothing to the ACC in football and men's basketball. So the Methodist footballs is on the uptick. Four consecutive winning seasons. SMU and Alabama and Ohio State are the only programs in the country to average at least 35 points a game in the last four years. That's pretty impressive. But, you know, for a league that it only had five NCAA tournament teams the last two years for a league that's missed the college football playoff the last two years. These additions don't move the needle a great deal. David, do you think the presidents were a little bit enamored here by the academic side of this, that, you know, it doesn't move the needle either when it comes to finances and championships, but Aren't these kind of like institutions with many of the ACC, quote-unquote, academic institutions? One hundred percent. There is no doubt. And I found it interesting, Bob, just looking at bios of the ACC presidents, that four of them who voted in favor of this attended either Cal or Stanford. <laughs> and that and that includes that includes Virginia Tech's Tim Sands, who has his bachelor's, master's, and PhD from Berkeley. <laughs> How about that? That's really good digging. Uh, there and it also brings a lot of really good Olympic sports to the table. Again, I'm getting past the money part of this, and even mm-hmm. a little bit of the geography part, because I, I just think there are enough smart people at the table that they're going to figure that out. But these are schools that have excelled in a wide variety of sports across the board. Bob, in the last decade, ACC teams have won 51 NCAA team championships. Stanford and Cal in the last decade, just between the two of them, have won 40. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. 
Uh, that's that's really very very impressive. Catching up with David Teal here uh, from the Times Dispatch, Richmond dot com on the on the big story of the day, and that is it's finally been done. Cal Stanford SMU coming to the ACC beginning um, beginning next year. And and isn't the onus? And I know in, you, in the story you just wrote, Cal Stanford have said you know it's only going to minimally affect our travel and all of that. But isn't the onus on them anyway because they're going to be coming our way. Way more than the schools that are currently in the league are going to go the other way. There could even, and I'm talking football, men's, and even women's basketball, there could even be some years when they don't go out there at all pending on the schedules. And at the most, they'd go out there maybe one time a year. And I would Pollyannishly make the argument that I think that's a good thing for student athletes. This is like taking one of those summer trips to Europe that these these kids never would have gotten the opportunity to ever do, and there will be a faction of them that would have never ever gotten to the West Coast to see you know San Jose, San Francisco, Oakland, Cal, and Stanford. Well, they'll probably only stay in the hotel and they <laughs> That's true. That's true. Good point. Good point. But, I would get to see a little bit more. I would be excited about that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Good point. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure those of us who uh, have to worry about travel budgets are, are real concerned about that or are real uh, uh-huh. happy. About that. But. Yeah, there you go. We're back. It just uh, you hit it. We hit a dead spot there for about five seconds. Now you're good. Okay. Um, I, and we'll finish up with you, Dave. I know you got you got other other things on the plate here. I want to get a quick comment on the start of the, the ACC college football season this weekend um, as well. Uh, so, y- what do you think overall here? Now you mentioned at the outset of our conversation, you know where this places the ACC, and was any of there some forethought in this that? All right, we still got to deal with Florida State. We still got to deal with Clemson, and who knows what they're thinking down the road here. That's exactly right, and 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 here we are, opening weekend, and Florida State's got a dicey game mm-hmm. Sunday night in Orlando against LSU, and then Clemson does not have a walkover Monday night in Durham against the Duke team that was 9-4 and four last year and returns, I believe, 18 starters. So very curious. You know, here the Knowles and the Tigers are, both top 10, both looking at playoff contention and very difficult openers for both. Absolutely. No doubt about it. All right, let me finish up with you, David, and let's zero back in on, on our schools, Virginia and Virginia Tech. Um, what do you think it's going to be like for UVA playing this first uh, football game since last year's tragedy? They are huge underdogs and what they can do uh, to be competitive uh, high noon Saturday against Tennessee in Nashville, and then how important it is for Virginia Tech to win this first game, sold-out Lane Stadium, against a team in Old Dominion that they should beat, which is what we said a year ago, and it didn't happen down in Norfolk. Yeah, Norfolk has not been kind to Virginia Tech football (laughs) to to, uh, put not too fine a point on it. But the Hokies have handled the Monarchs in Blacksburg on both occasions and would think tomorrow follows the same script. The Cavaliers, um, it's unimaginable to me the emotions that the young people and the staff 
and everyone associated with UVA athletics will be experiencing, not only tomorrow, but then a week from tomorrow when the Cavs play their first home game mm-hmm. against yep. James Madison. Uh, just, I, I just can't fathom what everyone will be thinking and feeling. And, and I think those feelings and emotions will be all over the map, depending mm-hmm. on the individual, because we all process grief so differently. Absolutely. I mean, just fascinating times on so many levels and so many fronts uh, moving forward. Uh, David, thank you, as always, so much on a breaking news day such as this one, plus with college football now underway. Always appreciate your perspective and look forward to crossing paths and catching up with you with more conversation. Thank you. Sounds great, Bob. Enjoy the opener tomorrow against Morgan State. Will do. Thank you, David. David Teal, Richmond Times Dispatch, Richmond.com. And again, uh, this has been going on since about 7.30 this morning, uh, if memory serves me correctly. And he's got uh, articles up on Richmond.com and in the Richmond Times Dispatch. And he's been on several other uh, sports talk shows to include ours. So we greatly appreciate uh, his time and thoughts this afternoon as well. And look, I got more thoughts on this. I really do. I've really bought in to this whole thing today. And, you know, AJ said this to me when we came just before we came on the air today. And this has not been one of his favorite topics that he's made. You've made that very clear, but I thought you you had the most poignant point of all. Well, now something has actually happened. So let's talk about it. For the last 3 weeks, nothing had happened and we've been talking about it. Now at least something has happened. So you're giving me the green flag to talk about it, right? Oh, yeah, man. Look, I'll even talk about golf if it's relevant to, you know, I just Redundant stories get old for me, especially even the NBA. I don't like redundant stories, but this one, like, it was a lot of talk, and it here was. we are. This is huge. It is correct. All right. Um, and I will tell you, this is one that Matt and I differ on. And this goes back to actually kind of our, our predictions of what was going to happen. He steadfastly said it wasn't going to happen. And I said the longer this thing goes on and the more they call meetings to the table, the more a chance it has of happening. Although I wavered and said at the end, I still don't think it necessarily is going to happen. But I'm, I'm leaving the door open. And that door got kicked open today. So I'll give you some more thoughts on this as we move along this afternoon. Here's where else we're going on the Friday Sports Huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. Your help is needed for the Red Cross to continue to be on call for local and national emergencies such as the recent hurricane, flooding, the wildfires, all of that. To learn how you can volunteer or, importantly, donate blood, visit redcross.org. Org. All right, much more talk on the ACC expansion and realignment today, and I really do want to kind of lay it out for you, my opinion, and that's all it is is an opinion as to why I am okay with this. Matt did say something, and he's been saying it all along on Border to Border and when we do uh, the mashup Monday, that I absolutely agree with. Uh, college sports are going to go on. We're just going to have to get used to the, the alignment now. And, and you're still going to enjoy the sports, uh, no matter which one you like the most or which team you like the most. Uh, th- it's going to go on. It's just going to look different. But I think this was a good move for the ACC to make sure it survives and it continues to be one of the players above the line in the upper echelon. And I think what it did today solidifies that, at least moving into 
the near future. Uh, and like I said, think 2024, not 1994 or even 2004 when you form your opinions on whether this was good, bad, or indifferent. So I definitely want to give you a few more bullet points. The more I thought about it, why I do think this this does make sense, and it's not going to be a disaster to the student-athletes going across the country because it's just not going to happen, at least for the current grouping of ACC teams, as much as it will for Stanford and Cal. They've got to figure it out more than everybody else, and it seems like they're very open to figuring everything out. From the financial side of it to the geographic side of it to the travel side of it, they seem to be welcoming the opportunity to figure all of this out. So more on that coming up. I would love to hear your thoughts and comments, particularly uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech fans or Carolina State fans. would love to hear from you because your school is the one that flipped at the 11th hour and got this thing approved. 804-327-0888. And, oh, by the way, there is college football. There were games last night. I want to talk about those and the ones coming up tonight and over the weekend. Uh, one of them is VMI's opener under Danny Rocco, the former Liberty, Richmond, and Delaware head coach, Virginia assistant coach. He takes over the reins of the VMI Kedets, and their first game is tomorrow in Lexington against the Davidson Wildcats, a playoff team that lost to Richmond, in fact, in the first round of the playoffs last year. Danny Rocco joins us at 530 this afternoon all right let's get the first break in we'll come back on the other side more acc realignment and oh by the way there was a great baseball game last night between the braves and the dodgers and you know i'm going to touch on that before we finish up at six o'clock this afternoon thanks for locking in today it's the sports huddle 1061 espn gift of sports all you have to do is accept it and perhaps send a thoughtful thank you card jamie king is live weekday mornings at seven on 1061 espn richmond All right, I'm going to try and be as thoughtful as I can here in kind of explaining why I think this is an okay move for the ACC. Look, I'm not even going to necessarily get into the finances because I think that has been well documented, and the ACC schools would not be doing this if it didn't enhance their coffers and their, their bottom line. So I feel confident that this is good financially for the ACC understanding it still does not put them necessarily in the ballpark with the Big 12, the SEC, and the Big 10, but it will close the gap some. And I do think it will keep their members happy with the amount of additional income that they're going to get uh, from ESPN by adding the three teams, by knowing that SMU isn't taking any of that TV money and Stanford and Cal are only taking 30% of it, at least for the first seven to nine to ten years And remember, those schools will still get, unless I've read this wrong, and I should have asked David this, they will still get payments for things like the NCAA basketball tournaments and if they do make the college football playoff, which is going to be at 12 teams, and they'll have a better shot at it beginning next year anyway. So they will have revenue coming into them, despite the fact they won't be getting the TV money. And I think they feel comfortable. They've obviously put pencil to paper right they know the numbers and what they need to be financially successful uh, as a member of the acc and not getting that money so i'm confident that part of it works out okay um but what about duke lacrosse okay perfect that you know you might have thought we had a pre a pre-show production meeting what about duke lacrosse well first of all i i'm going to be a little bit ignorant here 
I'm, I, we may need to pick a different sport because I'm not so sure Cal and Stanford even play lacrosse. Um, Dude, if, Stanford if, plays lacrosse. Come on, it's they, Stanford. They, pl- they play I, just about everything, right? I, I don't know, but that's a I, Ivy I League I, sport. I, I agree with you on that, but just just pick one. You're, but you're you're in the right direction. All right, let's go baseball. Let's just go baseball. Baseball is perfect. Baseball or volleyball would be two that I would pick. So two things at play here. Number one, we and I'm going to use the A10 a little bit as an example too. I'm not sure how it works in the ACC, although I think it's the same. You don't play everybody every year in ACC baseball. There are already too many teams to do that. You do, so it's on a rotating basis. So you're not going to go to Stanford or Cal every year. In fact, it may be a couple of years before you get out there. And even if it does happen, you're only going once. Where And that's where I say the onus is more on Stanford and Cal because they're going to be coming east many more times than Duke, Virginia, or Tech, whatever, are going west. So I think it's a little overblown from that perspective you're not going to play them every year then i think you can get creative with schedules and i'm already reading uh, where some of the olympic sports are thinking about having what's called like this olympic festival and they just bring everybody together in one location it's almost this is the negative side of it it's almost like the bubble that we had um for basketball and and, you know all of that during covid only we're going to have fans at this one but bring them all together in Dallas, for example, which is the midway point, and there's a team there in SMU that can be a host. And you could play several Olympic sports simultaneously in one location and make it a pretty cool event, like an Olympic festival. And I think there's something to that, particularly the sports that don't draw huge crowds beyond family and friends to make it even a little easier on them. To get there. And then let me go big time on you. I even think in a sport like football, you could be creative. And let's keep using Duke as an example. And I do that all the time because, as you know, my son works at Duke. And by the way, he is here in Richmond today. And it's his birthday as well, AJ. How about that? It's Will's birthday today. So I've already wished him a happy birthday and bought him lunch for crying out loud. Happy birthday, brother. But I'm going to shout it out to the millions that are listening to us as well. Happy birthday to my son, Will. Um, So I'll use Duke as the example. Who's to say that if if they could play Stanford and Cal back-to-back in football, all right? So fly out on Thursday night. The coaches are going to want to get them there, get them acclimated on Friday, play the game on Saturday against Stanford, and then schedule them to play Cal on Thursday night. And there's going to be Thursday night games, right? There already are. We watched them last night or even Friday night. I could see you pushing it one more day. And just keep them out there. I understand the cost of hotels and feeding them and classes. Trust me, they can handle all of that. They can handle all of that. Money will not be an object in this regard. It's a little bit of a nitpick. But, but Stanford and Cal, you're, you're, you're saying that now me as Duke or whoever has to play two pretty tough teams. That I have to lock that into my schedule. And, you know, schedule is everything. I have to lock those two in a time where they're not playing other games. I could potentially have to play three or four ranked teams back-to-back because I'm beholden to that. Well, Stanford and Cal aren't in that ballpark right now. They have not been great in football but i'm even taking that out of the equation because at some point they will be and and you're going to get 
you know, hit with that. I, I get that. I understand that. But you're going to work that schedule so that they've got, A, they're going to get kind of a mini-buy out of it anyway because if they play Saturday, Thursday, then they're obviously going to be off that Saturday, and they're not going to play it all the following Saturday, and you're going to put them at home. You're, and you're going to give them a home game on the other end of that as well. And I'm not saying that's the answer. It's, it may not be. Uh, pre- university academic people may not want their players gone for that long of a period of time, but it would certainly cut down on their travel. Uh, it would cut down on the wear and tear on their body. It's, it's just something I thought right. of today, that you could potentially pull that up. One more, one more thing. There are 18, well, 17 football teams in the ACC, which means there are 16 possible opponents, right, if you're Duke. Again, to my point, you're not going out there every year. In fact, you're probably only going out there every other year at the most. Okay, okay. Last nitpick then, last nitpick. One of the things I did love growing up in the ACC was getting to go to these uh, tournaments and all that stuff that are down in North Carolina or wherever. What will this mean for, like, an ACC tournament? Great question. I heard you and Matt talking about that. I think that's still to be determined. I think for the time being, it's going to stay Eastern-based, and Cal and Stanford and SMU are just going to have to deal with it. I think at some point they would take it to Dallas, which has been a terrific host city for a lot of tournaments. I'm not sure it would ever actually end up out west, although I'll tell you what, you want to play a basketball tournament in Golden State's arena? I'm all in. I've been there. That is a fabulous venue. I I get it. It's all the way on the other side of the country. So I don't think, at least in the near future, that's going to happen. I think it'll stay. Look, the ACC already broke tradition when it moved the conference tournament off of Tobacco Road, right? They moved it away from Greensboro, and it went to Washington, D.C., and God forbid, it went to Madison Square Garden in New York City. The Tobacco Road ACC went to New York City to play its conference basketball tournament. Yeah, this is all nitpicking, to be honest with you. No, it's good stuff. I I agree with Matt in the regards that this isn't killing anything. It isn't. I agree, and for, and fortunately, it's not killing the ACC. That's what this is all about. You guys just hit the nail on the head. They could not afford to be killed. And if they had lost uh, Florida State and Clemson and maybe a Carolina or even a Virginia, that could have killed the, the ACC that is so tradition-rich and have been around for so long that they had to do something. And I, I'm with you guys. This is not killing anything, and I think it's actually eventually – going to help it adds two very good television markets right and that's what a lot of this is all about right it's all about the tv dollar and the tv eyeballs and all of that so san francisco and i assume that's san francisco oakland is the number five television market in the country dallas fort worth is the number six television market in the country i'll take it another step further sacramento which is right outside there is the 20th ranked television market in the country. The ACC network is now going to penetrate all of those markets. Look, are those the headline teams in those markets? Absolutely not. I get it. They're not. They're NBA, they're pro cities, there are other colleges out there, obviously, but you're now penetrating the number five, number six, and number 20 television markets with this. Yeah, it's, it's going to be huge in, in Fort Worth and Dallas, really. I mean, there are a lot of SMU people in Dallas. Yes, there are. And they all bring a history. They all bring tradition with them. Now, some of it's not great, SMU with the death penalty in football for a couple of years. But they've also had a decent football, basketball history. And Stanford and Cal 
have as well. They're bringing one of the great college football rivalries to the ACC, that Stanford-Cal game that we led off with with the band game back in 82. All of that comes to the ACC. And I just think they're going to figure out the travel, and it's not going to be as bad as people think it is, and it's not happening every weekend. I can tell you that. It's going to happen once a season for most of the teams. Look, I asked Will about this, and look, football and basketball charter, right? So that that helps. It's still a five-hour cross-country trip or whatever it is i get that six at the at the most um some of their olympic sports will kind of cherry pick from time to time and be able to charter for the most part they're going to commercial and that is going to be difficult i get it i I understand that but i don't think it's not happening every weekend folks it's it's just not it's and it will happen more to stanford and cal than it will to virginia and virginia tech and duke and, and Carolina. All right, so, one last quick question. Yeah, yeah I know we got to get what does this? Yeah, what does this mean for like FSU wanting to leave? And will this will this weigh in at all on their decision? That's a great question. I mean, I think the ACC has done as much as it can to to quite frankly shut up Florida State. Like we're we're giving you every resource we have to bring in more money to the conference to include you being good and getting more money because you're good now in football or men's and women's basketball because they now have that new revenue share with the teams that are most successful are getting more money. And we've now added more here from Cal, Stanford, SMU, from ESPN. We've added markets for the ACC network. Let's see what you do now. But here, I do agree there's some power in numbers. Look, I don't like these huge conferences. I went off the other day when Jake Colley was on with us about how huge the, the CAA had become, and I didn't think that was such a good thing. But they did it. Because power in numbers right now, if one or two schools jump, you still got enough to have your conference. And I think that's kind of what the ACC has looked at here, that if Florida State or Clemson or Virginia, yeah, that won't be good. Don't get me wrong. You're not replacing them with Stanford, Cal, and SMU. That's a huge drop-off. There's no doubt about it. But at least you've still got enough schools to keep going and maybe find the next great school. Whereas, like, the Pac-12, they're done. They had no choice. They lost all those schools they're they're kaput they're they're done so but that's a great question aj i don't know that that's for down the road a little ways but for now i think these schools will be will be solidified uh and the grant of rights obviously still stays in play till 2036 so uh, i'm i'm actually okay with it i think you just got to get used to it um i think they are like universities from an academics and i'll give you one more and and i'm going to be a little I, I, and we'll get to the commercial in just a second. And I'll just be a little personal um, on this front as well. Uh, Will's significant other, his girlfriend, is from the West Coast, from San Jose, from that area out there, grew up on Stanford and Cal. And we were talking at lunch, and she's excited for ACC sports to be coming to Stanford and Cal. And I think there's a whole fan base out there that will be excited to have Duke and Carolina come that one time every three years or whatever it's going to be to play men's basketball or Florida State or Clemson to be out there to play football whenever that's going to happen and to be able to watch those teams when they come east to play in Cameron Indoor Stadium or the Dean Dome. So I'm, again, I'm trying to think like it's 2024 and not 1994, and I think this is okay. And I finish by saying, Matt and AJ, you guys are exactly right on Border to Border. College athletics is going to go on, and we're going to be fans moving forward. It's just going to be a little bit different in how we see all of our favorite teams and favorite sports. All right, 440 on the sports huddle. Yes, you've made it. Uh, we'll be back after the break, 1061 ESPN.
sports with a whole lot of opinion, which means you've got a whole lot of listening to do. Big Al is live from 8 to 10 weekday mornings on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Let's talk a little on-field football real quick in this segment. Uh, I sat and watched, as I told you I was going to do last night, uh, most of the William & Mary Campbell game, a little bit of a scouting mission there and also intrigued by it. And I was prepping for my own game uh, with Richmond tomorrow, so it worked out great. And, boy, was I impressed with Campbell at the start of that game. They rolled right down the field and scored on William and Mary. Then I was even more impressed by William and Mary because I thought their seniority, their veteran stature, their talent, their depth really bubbled to the top. Bronson Yoder, who I kidded with Jay Colley the other day, you know, was on like his 15th year at William and Mary, and this is why opponents think so. He rushed for 124 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Jay called Darius Wilson probably the best quarterback in the CAA. I wasn't sure I was ready to anoint him that, but he threw a couple of touchdown passes. He ran the ball well, very poised. William and Mary wins that game 34 to 24, but I think Campbell, with all those FCS tra- FBS transfers, served notice that they're not going to be a pushover. They're not going to be a just roll the ball out there and win team 34 24 in the opener down there other than that i thought it was a decent enough night for the caa even though it's not going to show that way on the ledger sheet because they went what oh and two uh oh and three in non-league games but i thought elon was pretty competitive with wake forest finished 37 17 now it was 24 nothing at halftime um elon did a pretty nice job in the second half of that game but fairly competitive against what we think is going to be another good Wake Forest team. Rhode Island looked terrific. They had a shot to win that game against Georgia State last night and lost 42 to 35. Uh, Came back after it got blitzed in the first quarter and came back and made it a game, took the lead and lost by by a touchdown. Uh, North Carolina A&T got beat pretty badly by UAB, 35-6. to So uh, not the greatest night on the ledger sheet, but I think some teams showed, you know, some gumption there uh, moving forward this year, particularly Elon and uh, especially Rhode Island. William & Mary won, and then there was one other league game last night. Delaware looked good, uh, very strong against Stony Brook, which isn't predicted to do very much at all this year. 37-13, Delaware won that game over Stony Brook. So it's good to see college football and the CAA underway uh, last night with uh, several uh, games. And there's more tonight and more tomorrow as well. And, of course, we have the Richmond game tomorrow at 5.30 is our airtime. Uh, Robert Fish, Matt Smith on the call of that one. I'm on the TV side uh, on NBC Sports Washington tomorrow. So 5.30 pregame and 6 o'clock kickoff for Richmond and Morgan State. All right, back on schedule. Let's get the break in here. Uh, We can talk more ACC realignment. We have got uh, the baseball to get to. What a night for the Braves and Dodgers and Ronald Acuna. Uh, What a day and night for him, especially. Uh, AJ's got a really interesting kind of offbeat topic that I am really intrigued to hear about. We'll either do it next or we'll save it for the beginning of the 5 o'clock hour. And we got Danny Rocco from VMI coming up at 5.30 as well. Uh, thanks for locking in this afternoon. Uh, just a quarter of five. Back after the timeout, 106.1 ESPN. 
As the Braves roll toward the 2023 postseason, there is one goal in mind, a World Series title. They still have plenty of obstacles to clear before that, and you can hear all the action here on your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves in the capital city. 1061 ESPN Richmond. Let's finish up with a little bit of fun this afternoon. So Rob, uh, AJ texted last night to Robert and me this story idea that he had that he was actually an eyewitness to at the Commander's preseason game. And I'm going to stop right here, AJ, let you kind of set the table and, and fill us in because I was like shaking my head a little bit last night at this and kind of tell us where we're headed. Oh. Um with this i'm actually trying to find it again but go ahead it's amazing it's so i go to a lot of kickers games as everybody knows and camp and the mascot rude do a really good job of like letting the kids do little races and 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 rue will lose and camp will fall over and it's all cute and we've seen that a billion times well i haven't been to an nfl game in a hot minute i go to the commanders during halftime all of the mascots in the local area you had the national president's you had Howard's mascot. You you had the commander's mascot. They're running out on the field, and they're starting to stretch and stuff. And I'm like, I, I've been around sports and been in sports my entire life. They're actually stretched. Like, these are athletes. You could just tell, right, under these. Uh, in the costumes? In the co- You could tell right away they were <laughs> athletes. So I was like, okay, cool. And they're playing these Pop Warner, the two Pop Warner teams come out. And, and they're both, couldn't be seventh, eighth graders, Okay. They start to play a football game, and these mascots are destroying the kids. Oh, no. I, they are tackling. And by the way, you can tell these are athletes because they're reading the cuts. They're cutting off patterns. It's insane. They're pushing them over. So I'm like, what did we just watch? It was hilarious because I was making fun of it like that was going to happen. Then it started to happen, and everyone around me is like freaking out. Well, I'm like, have you seen this? No. So I, I just, I'm like, whatever, that was crazy, and I moved on with my life. Then this morning, I get on TikTok, and there's a whole bunch of clips from all these NFL games where the same thing happened in the, the Colts and other places. It's insane. What, what, what is the goal here? What is the purpose of them doing that? It, it is, it is. If you've ever seen uh, Blades of Glory, Will Ferrell in the beginning, drunk, uh, doing the like skiing around and whatever in the in the mascot. That's what it looked like. I don't know what the purpose is, but it is hilarious. <laughs> it, and here's why I ask: because every year at the Robin Center, we do a mascot game. Now they don't play it against little kids; they play it against each other. But you can clearly tell that those in those costumes are very definitely not athletes. The, like maybe one of them turns out to be, but the the rest of them are very definitely not athletes. I, I just that's crazy. These like, are easily D three players <laughs> oh at gosh. at worst. And and I'll tell you what, Teddy Roosevelt was a beast. And <laughs> I was very ashamed of Howard's mascot knocking over a black kid. Like, that was offensive. And then it was, I've never seen anything like it. You guys got to Google it, pull it up, whatever. I I was tripped out by it. I wonder when when it's happening next, at what arena, what venue coming close to us, something like that. I just don't get it. Have you you ever heard of that? 
No. Like I said, normally we see these mascot games and these mascot exhibitions, and they are far from athletic. They are the opposite. They're probably like actors and actresses, truthfully, in those costumes trying to play a sport. That's the way I've normally seen it, not the other way around. No, you you've seen you've watched football players your whole life. You know these guys are players. Like the yeah. way they're lining up, the way they're spreading their stance. Now, every once in a while, I'm sure an athlete says, "Oh, that would be fun. That would be cool. Put me in the costume. Nobody would know who I am. I can do crazy things." But not not on Moss. Not a whole gaggle of I, them. Or I think you this is them. a thing. I think they literally are like, "All right, kids, you're gonna actually get," and they're not completely trying to like chop lock them but they are really pushing them down i mean it's still adults versus children it's not that hard wow all right we'll look for that you keep an eye on that for us oh i'm gonna let you know next game all right that's a fun way kind of as long as nobody got hurt that's a fun way to wrap up uh the four o'clock hour which was filled with the breaking news of uh the atlantic coast conference stretching now to the pacific coast and derby bill has dm me a couple of things i want to get to one of which is big breaking news The Washington Commanders' home opener is sold out at FedEx Field. I got my tickets open. Anybody wants? Yeah, you've got them, right? For the the Arizona-Washington game sold out, and I think it's going to be mostly Commanders fans for once. I don't think Arizona travels real well uh, to the nation's capital. So good for Commanders fans. Sold out at FedEx. Hour two of the Sports Huddle coming up next. Keep it right here. We'll get you into the weekend and all the football and everything else on 1061 ESPN. Hey there, Richmond. It's Breeze Airways.